Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Pass Ball Show. Um, obviously, it makes a lot of sense to do a show earlier today, today being 9-11, and a day that you know has so much symbolism and means so much to this country at a time that you know, we seem to be, at least from a political standpoint, in civil war with each other. We think of a time like this where we all should be unified. And I say, and I've said this from day one since I've started the show back years ago, you know, there is a point where, you know, all the people in this country really do need to look at each other and realize that we are. We're, we're one. We are together. Where we, whether we look alike, whether we sound alike, whether we believe the same things, we're all the same people. And it is one nation, and you think about the tragic events, of course, of 9-11, and it's something that, you know, the majority of us are never going to be able to get over. And obviously, you know, 846, you think of the, the first plane striking the tower at the World Trade Center. And it's almost like a time where you don't want anything else to distract that. Every year comes by, and every year... You start to, you know, you, you remember what you were doing at that time. Everybody knows, you know, as long as you're old enough to remember exactly what was going on and what was going on in your life and what you were doing at that moment. And such a horrific, horrific attack on mankind, on this country, and on every single one of us. And I hope, you know, many of us can, can spend a little time thinking about you know, those of whom aren't able to talk about it anymore, the first responders, the people that were on the plane, the people that were going to work in the World Trade Center that day, you know, they, they don't have opinions that they can express right now. And it's 18 years later, and they've been gone for 18 years. And, you know, there's, there's people that are older than me, you know, from, you know, whatever my grandparents age or older that could remember the impact of the Pearl Harbor bombing in 1941 on December 7th. And, you know, the more time that we move away, you know, 2019 is 18 years away from, you know, 2001. There's going to be times where more and more people are not going to remember vividly about happened that day and I think it's up to every person to stand up retell what what they remember share memories respect those that lost their lives and use it as a as a bond to bring more people together because that's what we need to do right now passball show is brought to you by johnpialy.com by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson New Jersey by two ways one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're going to talk a little football today. There's a couple baseball topics we're just going to jump in there and, and discuss. And um, the, You know, good recap of the National Football League season because I think there was a couple things that you could look at that may be surprises to you and you know, perhaps they're worth bringing up. Uh, a lot of people want to talk about Antonio Brown, and I try to try to feed from the people that you know that follow the show. Good sports fans everywhere, whether you listen to the show, watch the show, or don't at all. You 
know, you, you try to look at what the polarizing topics are. And, you know, Antonio Brown, the whole saga and everything that happened in regards to him, you know, being traded to the Raiders, being released, signing with the Patriots. I think there's a lot of people that are surprised that that happened. And, you know, there's a lot of other people that are like, wow, so the Patriots, you know, why would this not work out in the New England Patriots' favor? And a couple of things that stand out to me about this, and these are points that I don't believe are brought up. Antonio Brown never wanted to play for the Raiders, and it was nothing against the Raiders. The Raiders, you know, have, have struggled over the last couple of years. Yes, John Gruden's out there trying to build a winning team, got some number one draft picks. They went out there, they beat the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football the other day. And... You know, the Raiders may very well be headed in the right direction. And it wasn't that Antonio Brown said, hey, the lousy Raiders, I don't want to play for them. Equated to what you see in the National Basketball Association with, you know, top NBA players that want to get out of certain situations but want to be able to choose their next employer. Anthony Davis wants out of New Orleans but isn't going to, you know, is going to try to do everything he can to make sure that he facilitates and him and his agent facilitate a trade to a team that he wants to play for, like the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, let's say the New Orleans Pelicans went out there and said, you know what, we'll trade you. We have the right to trade you. And we're going to go out there and we're going to trade you to the Charlotte Bobcats. We're going to trade you to, I don't know, think of some lousy team in the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks or Chicago Bulls, maybe a team that is a couple of years away as opposed to, you know, Anthony Davis who's thinking, hey, I want my next step to have a better chance or give me a better chance to win. And that's the same thing that Antonio Brown's going through. When he, he has the falling out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they decide that they're going to trade him, obviously, after Antonio Brown's demands, he feels disrespected, whatever. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about anything that Antonio Brown's feeling. We know he's got some issues. But when he's asking for a trade, he wants to facilitate a trade to a place that he wants to go to. He wants to go from the Pittsburgh Steelers, perhaps, to a team that has just as good of a chance to win, if not a better chance to win. So right off the bat, he gets traded to the Raiders. Antonio Brown, in his mind, never wanted to play for the Oakland Raiders. Now, it would be nice if John Gruden would have known about it. It would be nice if he communicated that right off the beginning. And maybe the Raiders could have made another trade and, and flipped him to another team and got some of value for him. But for him to go through the different things that he went through, yes, it was unprofessional. Yes, it was not you know, what you'd expect out of a professional athlete. But for those of you that are making like it's the worst thing that an athlete can do, can you, can you remember a figure skater by the name of Tanya Harding? And you may say, hey, why would you equate Antonio Brown to Tanya Harding? No, this is my point to make that, yes, there was some nonsense involved in Antonio Brown basically getting his way out of the Oakland Raiders, but it was no different than what any NBA basketball player that wants to leave a city or a team that doesn't have a chance to win and wants a, a good opportunity to go out there and win themselves a championship. They want to be able to pick their next employer. But to say, hey, Antonio Brown, the most unprofessional act in the history of sports. No, Tanya Harding hiring a hitman to, you know, break her opponent's leg with, 
you know, a lug wrench. Sounds a little more unprofessional than that. Yes, in the end, it looks like Antonio Brown wins. In the end, it looks like the New England Patriots are, are setting themselves up for another magical season. But Antonio Brown did nothing that other athletes don't try to do. If you're playing for a bad team, you want to go out there and you want to win. And then you got what's going on in Miami right now, which, by the way, I'll make a little, uh, a little, you know, um, segue into Dolphins Patriots. We we're just talking about Patriots. Antonio Brown plays for the Patriots now, and they're playing the Miami Dolphins next week in the line for the game. Patriots are favored by 19 points, which is a scary, scary line. Now I could bet on the Dolphins and win probably some good money, but what's to say that the the Patriots aren't going to go out there and beat them like, you know, 70 to nothing. Baltimore Ravens, team that, yeah, probably a borderline pet playoff team, probably not a terrible team, a good team, but a team that's not up the level of the New England Patriots. Beat the Dolphins 59 to 10, and in the aftermath of that, you hear rumblings from certain players on the Miami Dolphins that maybe, maybe they don't want to be there. Maybe they're not happy with the direction the team is going. And I'll give you one point that I believe that they have before I tell you everything that I don't like about what the Miami Dolphins players are saying and doing. If the Miami Dolphins are sucking for Tua, if they're trying to go out there and lose as many games as possible, trying to assure themselves that they have the number one overall pick in the draft next year so they could go take Tua Taliavoa out of Alabama with the number one overall pick, then I think it's shameful. I think it's unfortunate for the players that are on that field, and it sucks for a rookie head coach in Brian Flores that everything you hear about this guy is that he's going to be a good coach in the National Football League. So I don't like that if that's what the Dolphins are going to do. I mean, you got players that are playing their hearts out, whether you're on this team because you're stuck there, whether you're on this team because it's your only opportunity, whether you're on this team because it's just where you happen to be playing in the National Football League. We know about the violence that's involved in football. We know about the physical impact that a hit in a National Football League game can have on any player and impact them for the rest of their life. So if you're playing... You know, with with this joke that, hey, the Dolphins aren't going to be good. Let's just lose every game. If there's effort from the organization standpoint that the Dolphins are trying to lose, then I think there should be some sort of sanctions for the National Football League and Roger Goodell against the Miami Dolphins. But the other part of it, players, you're professional athletes. You have a professional contract with a professional football team to play football. And to be begging to be out of there because the Dolphins aren't any good looks bad on you. And Lawrence Tynes, former kicker for the Giants, said, it, man, I made a pretty good point, and I'll paraphrase it because I don't have it right here. Basically, hey, this is what this generation of players thinks. When there's any adversity, you run and hide instead of going out there and facing, instead of trying to maybe do the impossible. Maybe nobody's expecting the Miami Dolphins to win a Super Bowl, but go out there and compete. Play hard. Practice hard. Come up with the best game plan to try to win a National Football League game in Week 2. It doesn't work out in Week 2. Go out there in Week 3. And so on and so forth. 
give your best effort, play the best football you can, and you never know what's going to happen. If the Dolphins can win three games, five games, six games, try to win as many games as you can. And you know what? If you happen to be a really good player on a lousy team, maybe you'll get your wish. Maybe you'll get traded. But most importantly, down the road, you'll get noticed for as well as you're playing in the face of adversity. And that's what teams want. Teams want a player that is going to play his best regardless of what the circumstances are. He doesn't want to see a player, you know, an organization doesn't want to see a team sitting there, you know, a player half-assing it because his team sucks. If his team sucks, there should be more motivation for that player to go out there and shine. Maybe at some point you play four stats when the season's out of reach. You know, I don't really subscribe to that. I don't really love it, but I understand why it happens. Keith Hernandez talked about, you know, the 1983 season with the Mets. Not really going anywhere. Hey, you know what? You're trying to finish your season strong. You're trying to get as many hits as you can. Drive in as many runs as you can. Uh, you know, play really good defense. Maybe put yourself in a position for a gold glove, even though your team's going nowhere. I understand that that happens. I, I could subscribe, or at least I can respect the fact that that does happen. But if you're a, a player in the National Football League and your team sucks, do the best you can to make that team better. And the Miami Dolphins players, first of all, that are all anonymous, that don't want to stand up and man up and say that they're demanding a trade from the team that they're playing for, it's time to wake up, time to stand up, face the music. Be an adult, grow up. You're the one that wants to be traded. Go out there and put your name behind it. Don't hide behind some crummy reporter that's going to say it's an anonymous player. You don't want to play for the Miami Dolphins? Go out there and say it. Face the music. Or maybe, you know, man up. Go play some football and give yourself the best and your team the best chance to go out there and win a football game. In a little while, we're going to get into the NFL picks. Had a good week last week, 4-2. and two. We're actually going to pick one more game because we did the Thursday game for next week, five games, and then I want to pick the Monday night game. I got a, a, a little take on Jets-Browns on Monday night. Just a reminder, this copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and the Solely Free Entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of these, the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of the show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of the program, such as by charge admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. Now, from a baseball standpoint, if you've watched and followed the show, you know kind of where I feel about the way Major League Baseball managers are treated. They've essentially been castrated. Their ability to impact a game is at an all-time low. Yes, they can make a decision. You know, if you want to take Mickey Callaway's statement, you know, after the loss to the Phillies, hey, I wanted to walk Andrew Knapp to load the bases for Bryce Harper because I wanted to take their pitcher out of the game. It sounds stupid. And you know what? Maybe that was his own decision. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe there was somebody that was advising him saying, hey, you know, here's what you're going to do. And I, I equate this to the pitcher and catcher relationship. And if you think about it, if you're a Mets fan, if you're divulging in everything that's going on Mets-related, and once again, my show isn't centered around this, 
you'll know that there's a little bit of a back and forth or an issue with Noah Syndergaard throwing to Wilson Ramos. And I equate it to what you feel about the manager, whether he's being fed information or he's making decisions himself. A pitcher, let's say a guy like George Thomas Siebert, would call his own game. And it wouldn't matter what the catcher wanted to do. It would be up to the pitcher. Bob Gibson, you know, waits for Tim McCarver to come out to the mound, says, listen, the only thing you know about good pitching is you can't hit it. The good pitchers, the dominant pitchers, most of the best pitchers want to call their own game. Now, some guys feel a little more comfortable by just getting themselves ready to pitch. In other words, hey, whatever pitch I want to throw, I want the catcher to put it down. I'm not going to shake them off. I'm just going to execute the pitch. So there's pitchers that, that work a little differently and prefer their catcher to call their own, the, the game for them. Now, managers... There's some managers that are given a little more leeway in regards to making in-game decisions. And then there's other managers that are essentially having a catcher, whether it's their bench coach, whether it's somebody from a clubhouse, somebody from their analytic staff, that are giving them signs and instructions on how to manage the game. So there is a similarity there. And we continue to bash managers, I think, for a lack of knowledge of the game in a way that it's changed right now. So the angle that I want to take today talking about it is sometimes you get so much into this issue with the manager that you have for your respective team. And a lot of it's based off of wins and losses. You lose a game, you get a little more mad about the manager, it turns into a losing streak, and you lose game after game after game after game, and things end up not working out so well for you and you end up kind of turning on you know, the manager that you have. And because of that, you know, your thought is going to be that every decision that's made is the manager and everything that goes wrong is the fault of the manager. And you get so sick and tired of that manager leading your Major League Baseball team that you root for. So what do you, what do you end up rooting for at a certain point? You want your team to win. You want your team to go out there and win as many games as possible. Sometimes in the worst of circumstances, when your team doesn't have the opportunity to get to the postseason, where it doesn't look so good, it doesn't look like there's going to be much of a chance that your team's going to be in it or that your team has officially been eliminated. When is the turning point that you start rooting for your team to win? or rooting for your team to lose for that manager to get fired so you could have a new voice. Now, I don't have to get too much into this because anybody that's followed this show and has listened to me or followed my tweets knows exactly how I feel about this. The manager is not going to be the determining factor in the reason that your team loses. In fact, if you're going to let the manager go, you might as well replace the analytics staff, make sure you definitely get rid of the entire coaching staff, and you may want to change general managers at the same time because from the front office standpoint to the manager through the analytics staff and the coaching staff, everybody now or the majority of them now are all on the same page. It's one formula. It's one set of ideas. And it's supposed to 
resonate throughout the organization and everybody's on the same page. So when you're picking on the manager, you're also picking on the bench coach. You're also picking on the pitching coach. You're also picking on the analytics staff and the front office from the general manager. But we always voice this in a way of the manager. The manager's screwing up. He's doing this. He's doing that. No. It's a little further than that. He may be part of it, but the pitching coach is doing this. The bench coach is doing this. The analytics staff, the front office staff, and the general manager are all supposed to be on the same page. So you get to a point where you feel like you'd rather your team lose so your manager gets fired. Now all you're going to get is another puppet. All you're going to get is another person that's on the same page with everybody else, probably doing the same thing. So it's going to be a vicious cycle, you know, this circular thing that keeps going on and on where you're going to continue to bully and hate the Major League Baseball manager, that all he is is a pawn in a scheme of what the philosophy of the individual team is. Whatever the team wants to do, they're all doing it together. They're all doing it as a collaborative effort. And I'm going to continue to talk about this because this is one of the points that I just don't think a lot of people are getting. And I understand you want to get mad at Mickey Callaway. You didn't like the fact that he intentionally walked Andrew Knapp to get to Bryce Harper. His explanation after the game sounds a little bit asinine. I get it. But once again, where are the decisions coming from? And he's going to tell you. Think about it. And any manager you want to use for this example, what manager is going to go against their employer? In other words, if a manager, if you're asking a manager, hey, Who's making the decisions in the game? Who's preparing for the game? Who's setting the lineup? Who's making the pitching changes? He's going to say, hey, everything goes through me. And he may word it a little bit differently, but the bottom line is he's not going to out the people that are above him. If he wants to keep his job, he's going to make sure that he's going to be there. He's going to be the fall guy. He's going to be the person for the media and the fans to bully. But once again... Manager of Major League Baseball in 2019 is not, and I repeat, is not that determining factor of whether teams winning or losing. It's the players, it's the construction of the front office, and the talent that's assembled on the field. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste of smoothness and drinkability you'll find in no beer at any cost. So I did want to jump into this small topic. Um, you know, sometimes you, you bring up stuff, and there's a couple things that frustrate me about the sport of baseball. There's things from a standpoint that I just don't understand, and maybe they're trivial. Maybe they're not really that big of a deal. And I'll preface what I'm about to say about, you know, there's something that does bother me that a catcher does now that they didn't do before. In Major League Baseball. And like I said, it's probably the most mundane, unimportant thing that you can even think of. And I would bet you 95% of baseball fans either haven't noticed this or do not care that it's going on. It's neither here nor there. Who cares, Johnny? You're bringing up this stupid point. But I'll tell you, I remember when I played baseball and the baseball that I watched up to a certain time there's a call strike three on the outside corner. Third out, innings over, catcher takes the ball, flips it down on the grass for the next pitcher to pick up. 
Swing and a miss. Foul tip into the catcher's glove. Roll it out to the mound. Pitcher in the next inning goes and picks it up. Now somewhere over the course of time, catchers have thought, whether it's the team and their philosophy or the decisions to do this, catchers think it's cute. Strike three, take the ball, throw it around the horn. Remember the old around the horn, fling around the horn. Outs at first base, throw the ball around the horn. But, you know, the only problem is there's three freaking outs. It looks stupid. And I know there's nothing that's ever going to change about this. Maybe it's a, a matter of getting rid of baseballs and being able to use baseballs. Maybe it's part of Major League Baseball's effort to make sure that the balls are as juiced as possible so they go flying out of the ballpark to keep them fresh so the hitters can go out there and hit. I have no idea. But tell me if there's anybody else out there that's frustrated by what they see with this. Now, it's not impacting the game. It's not changing the game. In no way, shape, or form is it something that should ever be brought up to be addressed because obviously there's bigger issues going on in Major League Baseball. You think of the collective bargaining agreement coming up. You think of the qualifying offer. You think of free agency. You know, is there collusion going on amongst the baseball teams? Is there collusion amongst the free agent process? Those are certainly bigger issues that got to be addressed in Major League Baseball. And, you know, they're going to be collective, collectively bargained. How deep do you want to get with the, the drug policies? You know, you think drug of choice. You think of opiates. You know, there are a lot of different things that need to be brought up to the table when it comes to Major League Baseball going forward in a collective bargaining agreement. So I'm not suggesting that a rule change come out there to eliminate the catcher from being able to throw the ball around the horn when there's three outs. But I'll tell you, it drives me crazy. It really does. So a reminder, the cash store provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. So I was thinking about um, the New England Patriots, of course, adding Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown goes to the Patriots, obviously puts the Pats in a situation where they got to do something with their 53-man roster. And they decide to make a trade. You know, then Marius Thomas, a great receiver, had some great years with the Denver Broncos. He goes out there and, you know, he's traded to the New York Jets. And we don't think very much of it. But I, I looked at it and the first thing I thought about was that the fact that the Patriots would go out there and make a deal with the New York Jets is a very big sign of disrespect. And the, the fact that the Patriots think that little of the New York Jets as a competing team, they say, hey, we got a receiver that could probably help you. We're going to play you two times over the course of the season, but we still think we're that much better than you. Yeah, sure, you can have Demarius Thomas, and maybe Demarius Thomas has something left in him. Maybe he can have another big season. Maybe he can establish some rapport with Sam Darnold, and maybe he can help the Jets win some games. But the Patriots and Bill Belichick and everybody that's running their team say, hey, you know, we feel so confident that our team is that good that we're going to go out there and win the division again, whether you have Demarius Thomas or not. We'll make a trade in division with a team that considers itself a rival because that's how little the Patriots respect the Jets. And that's the way you got to take it. Getting in NFL picks right now. Week two of the National Football League season. 
this past week. We won the Thursday game at Green Bay over Chicago. Ended up going three and two on Sunday. At Minnesota over Atlanta, Tennessee over Cleveland. Indianapolis in a, a nail brighter over the Los Angeles Chargers and obviously the Chargers won the game in overtime but the spread was six and a half so nice win there the one that ended up getting me was the, the Lions and the Arizona Cardinals and I give a ton of respect to Kyler Murray great job at some point, they're down in this game 24-6. to They go out there and they end up tying it up. And obviously, having Detroit by two and a half was a loss there. Kansas City at Jacksonville. I thought it would be a big coming out party for Jacksonville. The Nick Foles injury obviously hurts them. And I thought that was probably the toughest pick I had. But I thought Jacksonville getting a couple points, maybe it could be close. Maybe Jacksonville pulls it out in the end. Obviously, the Foles injury put an end to that. So, let's get into week two. We'll start with the Thursday game. Tampa Bay traveling to Carolina against the Panthers. And I look at the Panthers, and I do think that they're a little bit flawed. I think they're a team that could have a rebound season. I look at them as being in the mix in the NFC South. Cam Newton, I'm not 100% sure he's healthy. I'm not 100% sold on a connection between him and his wide receivers. Christian McCaffrey was great this past week. He is uh, an asset to have on your team. Ron Rivera running the defense. I think this will be a step back for the Panthers this week. I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think they could go out there and pull off the upset. I like the line of the game, too. Give me Carolina. I'm sorry. Give me Tampa Bay plus 6.5 at Carolina. Thursday night football. Now, I'm going to get into my, kind of my philosophy this week. I look at Pittsburgh, and I look at Cleveland. Two teams, obviously, better division rivals. A lot of people are torn between whether Pittsburgh's going to win uh, the, the AFC North or Cleveland's going to go out there and finally win their division title. A lot of people love the Browns this year. Both teams looked terrible last week. Steelers losing 33-3 to the Patriots. The Browns losing 43-13 to to the Tennessee Titans. I think both teams are going to come back strong this week. Pittsburgh, I didn't even care who their opponent was. And I'm going to be picking on Seattle now. Listen, Seattle's going to be a good team. I think they could go out there and win the NFC West division. I think they could take it away from the, the Los Angeles Rams. I think they could beat the 49ers. Obviously, the Cardinals had a rebuilding season. But... I expect the Steelers to be focused. I expect them to look at the tape. I expect them to go back and they feel embarrassed coming in. Mike Tomlin's not going to be happy. Roethlisberger's not going to be happy. That defense that's supposed to be pretty good, giving up 33 points last week to the New England Patriots, that they're going to want better results. They're going to go out there and they're going to stick it to, to Seattle. Give me Pittsburgh at home, minus four against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm jumping in a Monday night game because it's the same theme. Cleveland Browns couldn't have looked any worse last week against the Tennessee Titans. Supposed to be a coming out party, home game, new era. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. 
The defense, not supposed to be too bad. And what ends up happening? They end up getting embarrassed by the Tennessee Titans. I think they're going to come out strong, and this means bad things for the New York Jets. And it means that the New York Jets, who had some playoff aspirations coming into this season, will be sitting at 0-2 and two after this week with four really tough games coming up, including two against the New England Patriots. So give me Cleveland, minus 2.5 on Monday Night Football in New Jersey against the Jets. I think it's going to be a solid bounce-back effort. I think... They're going to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, if we're going to have any chance this year, we got to go out there and play better football. We can't play like we played last, excuse me, last week against Tennessee. I think it's going to be a bounce back. Give me Cleveland minus two and a half at the New York Jets. Last couple games we're going to get into, I got Indianapolis against Tennessee, and I'm going to pick against Tennessee for this reason. I believe that the Titans are going to be the exact opposite of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Riding high, thinking that maybe their shit doesn't stink as they go out to play a National Football League game in Week 2. You know, the, the Titans aren't very deep. They don't have a championship caliber roster. They may have a team that's good enough to win 8-9 games, maybe be in the playoff mix if everything, you know, rings itself well. But I think they're, they're set up this week. Home game. Against the Indianapolis Colts, a lot of people have dismissed the Colts because there's no Andrew Luck. Colts lost a tough game, a game they should have won last week against the Los Angeles Chargers in overtime. I think the Colts are going to come out here and stick it to the Titans. So give me Indianapolis plus three at Tennessee against the Titans. Next game, Dallas-Washington. This is going to be my upset for the week, so you already know where I'm going once, once I say this. Dallas Cowboys, very nice win against the New York football Giants. They, they had their way with a bad Giants defense. Well, the Washington Redskins were kind of in a little bit of a slugfest with the Philadelphia Eagles, a game that, at a certain point, it looked like there was a chance they were going to win. It looked like there was a good chance that the Washington Redskins were going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles last week. I think they're going to take it a step further and defeat the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys like the Titans this week, like the opposite of the Steelers and the opposite of the Browns. Cowboys are going to think that they're a little bit better than they are. And maybe they, maybe they aren't. Maybe they are that good. But I don't think they're going to be good this week. So give me Washington plus four and a half at home against Dallas. Final game we're going to do is the big game of the week. New Orleans and the Rams. The rematch of the NFC Conference Championship game last year. We all remember how it ended. The botch pass interference call. Rams win. Pretty exciting game. Obviously, you got the Saints fans out there wearing the zebras, wearing the referee shirts in the stands. They're going to be mocking out the refs all season. And, you know, I think the Saints are also going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think the Saints, you know, feel like that, hey, if there is a, a, a season that they're going to go out there and play football and if they're going to go out there and win, win themselves a Super Bowl, get themselves to the Super Bowl and win it, it's this year. And I think they've been circling this game on the calendar. And you've seen in the NFL history where teams have done that. Teams have looked at what has happened the year before. I remember, and I hate to jump sports, but I was talking about Ron Artest a couple months ago and the Pacers losing a tough uh, conference championship round to the Detroit Pistons. And they circled 
the Pistons at Auburn Hills at the Palace as a game that they wanted to go out there and prove themselves. This is certainly a game that's going to mean everything to the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be played like a playoff game. I don't care if it's in Los Angeles against the Rams. They ain't going to bring a lot of fans out there anyway because there ain't that many Los Angeles Ram fans. So give me New Orleans plus two and a half at Los Angeles against the Rams, and I think it'll be an easy win. A little recap of the picks this week. We did seven games, went 4-2 last week. This week we got Tampa Bay plus 6.5 at Carolina, Indianapolis plus 3 at Tennessee, Pittsburgh minus 4 at home against Seattle, Washington plus 4.5 against Dallas, New Orleans plus 2.5 at Los Angeles against the Rams, and finally Cleveland minus 2.5 in New Jersey against the Jets. A little bit of a recap of the show today. Listen, you know, we, we want to talk about things going on in other people's lives and talk about the line of self-destruction that exists when you talk about players that can't seem to keep themselves out of their own way. Antonio Brown orchestrates his trade out of Pittsburgh, goes to a place in Oakland where he doesn't want to play, gets himself out of there, just playing with New England. Now he's got rape allegations against them, people that don't like Antonio Brown are going to all of a sudden jump to conclusions and say, hey, he's a rapist, he learned his raping from Roethlisberger, yada, yada, yada. Let, let the process play itself out. If, if he raped a woman, he's going to be found guilty and he's going to have to deal with the consequences of it. Mike Tyson raped a woman, it completely changed his life. A guy who was getting set to be the heavyweight champion of the world again after a tough loss to James Buster Douglas ended up ruining his life because he decided to rape a woman. If Antonio Brown made the same mistake, his life and his football career is never going to be the same. But let the process run itself out. If these are bad allegations, if this is a flawed story, if this isn't the situation of a woman that was raped, if the sex was consensual, these are all facts that are going to have to be presented in front of the judge. And whatever happened is going to be justly stated to the public. But in regards to the football situation, if you make it like this guy did the worst thing in the history of professional sports, look up Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding hiring a hitman to break the kneecap of her opponent with a crowbar is a little more heinous and malicious than what Antonio Brown did by orchestrating a, a sign and a deal with the New England Patriots where he wanted to play all along. Let's, let's, let's get that straight. Let's put that in the proper context, please. We got, you know, the, the a deal with Major League Baseball managers, the fact that we continue to blame them for everything that doesn't go right within a baseball game, doesn't go right within a baseball season. And now fans are going to be so comfortable that they'd rather their own team lose a game or more games or lose the rest of their games just so their manager could be fired. The only message that I have to you in that situation is this. Your team... The front office, the coaching staff, the manager, whoever the manager is, and we know the manager is a puppet, is 
all working together with one specific game plan. So if you change puppets, you still have the same regime with the same ideas. And I promise you, whoever the next manager is gonna be, you're not gonna be happy with whoever it is. Third strike, third out, catcher, stop throwing the ball around the horn. That's all I gotta say about that. And of course, on a very somber day, about 26 minutes away if you're listening live from the, what we'll call the 18th anniversary of the plane striking with the terrorist attacks, the first tower of the World Trade Center, an awful, awful day in American history. And just a reminder to everybody, you know, use this as a day to be able to keep yourselves together. Realize that we're all Americans, regardless of what our differences are. Whether you love politics and love throwing that in people's faces, take away, at least take a day off from that. Hug your neighbor, hug those that are different from you. Because that's what the United States was created off of. And whoever you want to blame for the reason that we are essentially in a figurative, almost literal civil war with each other, Forget about blaming for a second. And think about that person that doesn't believe what you believe. That person that you hate because they don't have the same beliefs as you. We're all Americans. We're all in this together. And hopefully on the 18th, I'm sorry, the 19th anniversary, or yeah, I'm sorry, the 18th anniversary of 9-11, we could spend one day where we can stop the infighting that exists amongst ourselves. We're going to close the show with this, a little bit of a parody, and I give uh, Don Zemmer on Twitter some credit. does a great job playing these songs. I'm not going to show you the baseball reference page where he plays around with all these names, but I, I think it's pretty fitting to play this song on a day that means so much to this country. God bless America. So listen, once again, everybody, at least use this day to stop the infighting that we have amongst ourselves. Embrace those that have different values and believe different things and look different and are different in different ways as we hit what we'll absolutely call our concluding point of the show today. God bless you. God bless America. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.